Hey everyone, welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast, Thanksgiving Week Edition. And with me as always, a man I'm thankful for, Mr. Daniel Ornelas. What's up, Daniel? Hey Jason, how's it going, man? It's going well, man. What are you thankful? <laughs> what are you thankful for? I'm thankful uh, for you. <laughs> <laughs> As Obviously. a friend, I wish I wish that you lived closer, <clears throat> but you're uh, you're uh, always in my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and thoughts prayers. Thoughts and always. prayers. Yeah, <laughs> I'm grateful for my family. I'm thankful for our new home we moved into, which is awesome. And I'm thankful for my community, the people around us that that kind of uh, just keep us grounded and connected. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, man. You know, what? I am really thankful for this time of life i think you know with my kids being eight and eleven now and you know settled in the work that i do and just kind of we're just kind of hitting our stride it feels like and and uh, we're just in a season of life i find myself just kind of just so so grateful for the time i get to spend right now in fact i was on on sunday we decided we're trying to get all our christmas shopping done before thanksgiving so that from so that for the Christmas season, we can really just focus on Advent and anticipation and just kind of waiting. And so we took our kids out to, to do some Christmas shopping just online at a coffee shop. And then I was walking with my kids. I was playing with them on the playground, running around, playing tag. We had like gotten the whole playground involved. It was like me, the one old guy, and then like 10 kids <laughs> all chasing me around. It was a blast. But then we're walking on the rocks right along the ocean. And my kids are up in front of me. And man, I just had this moment of gratitude like I was just I was so thankful I'm just looking at them and I I almost started to cry like it was just such a moment of of gratitude for 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 this time that I know will that I know will go on you know that I know I don't get to hang on to forever and uh and then and I'm thinking about that and I'm, I'm walking and I look up and all of a sudden my oldest son is like leaning against a rock and I'm like I think he's peeing on that rock <laughs> just brought right back to right back to reality also a part of the experience but uh super grateful awesome. for all of it <laughs> that's awesome man uh, in south africa that's a normal thing over here apparently you can get arrested for that stuff <laughs> I, I, I think i think he's pretty safe safe to go i guess i guess you know bjorn is probably thankful he's a guy so he can do that exactly <laughs> perfect <laughs> that is awesome well, uh, I am. Uh, I'm also very thankful for our guest today. We actually have somebody who um, I've been listening to for a little bit. His name is Cody Keys, and he runs oh, cool. the he runs the podcast Tip Jar. And so he it's kind of it's kind of an interesting podcast because it it kind of crosses into it's a little bit of crossover kind of of what we do. But he's gotten to speak with a number of musicians and guys who are kind of less out front and more just in the band. And so it was great to just sit down with him and. You know, as we do these podcasts, you you have a tendency to learn. Like, I learn so much from the interviews that I do. You know, I'm not sitting there like, let's both of us talk and, you know, we'll just display our wisdom. It's much more of a, of a like, wow, like, I'm asking questions that I want to know the answer to. And so you learn a lot in that process. So it was great to sit with him and just kind of hear, you know, what he's been learning with the other musicians that he's, that he works with. So... Yeah, the same same for me, man. I, it's you know, it, putting collective people's wisdom into one part is just really exciting, uh, and to hear all the guests we've had so far. Let's hear from hear from our man today. So I am here with Mr. Cody Keys of the Tip Jar Podcast, which if you haven't checked it out, you definitely should. It's a great listen, and it's um. 
kind of hits up a lot of different uh, people just involved in worship music, and it's it's really fun to listen to. So, uh, welcome to the podcast, Cody. Awesome, yeah, glad to be here, man. So, so tell me, tell me about the tip jar. Tell me about kind of how this thing got started. Um, well, I've been in worship ministry um, going on full time for fifteen years now, and um, I, I had a lot of folks that mentored me growing up, and um, and appointed me into like different um, ways of doing worship ministry. And for me, uh, I've always wanted to be a, a learner. Like I always feel like we can always get better at the things we do. So, um, but with that learner attitude, um, I feel like uh, worship ministry can be one of those places where um, arrogance can kind of, uh, and pride can kind of uh, jump in and, and take over. And um, so for me, like the the closing thing that I say, and at least in my podcast every week, is stay humble, stay teachable, and continue to grow in the gifts that God has given you. Um, so uh, with all that being said, um, it was also a easy, fun way for me to talk and learn from guys that I respect in the worship community. Um, that probably would have never answered my phone call or my email <laughs> if I wouldn't have said, hey, I'm on a podcast and I want you to teach the world about <laughs> what you do. So secretly, in my mind, I'm thinking you're actually teaching me and I get to broadcast it to the world. Um, so but yeah, uh, through that process, um, man, just I feel honored to be able to talk to some of the guys uh, and ladies that uh, I've looked up to for a long time in their field of uh, what they do and how great they are and kind of glean from them. So, well, it's, it's amazing when you're, I, you know, I found the same thing with the worship artistry podcast is you just, you get somebody in and I find myself just making notes for myself. Like, Oh, I need to, I need to do that more. I need to, oh, I need to use that language to say, say some things. What have been uh, some of the things that, in, in your experience, like some of the people that you've had on, what are the, some of your like big takeaways? You don't have to give all your tips away, but maybe just give us a couple kind of like, man, that was, that was really impactful. Uh, for me, I think, um, I think one of the coolest things that I've found is even though you might put people on a pedestal, like they're just normal people like you and me. So they, they uh, are trying to learn in the same things that we're trying to learn, even though you're talking to someone like a, um, like I, I've looked through some of your podcast stuff and like you've interviewed people like Stu G and, you know, Phil Wickham, Paul Below, some of these guys that like they have a huge name in the worship realm, but like they're just normal guys. They might have a little bit more wisdom to give cause they've been doing it for a long time. But, um, but they're going through the same things that you or I or anyone listening to this podcast is going through. And, um, and they're trying to continually learn and, and develop themselves as well. So, um, that's, that's one of the cool things that I've learned is just, you, you think, um, like for instance, uh, the first interview I did was with, uh, Stu G from delirious. So like for me as a guitar player, like there's, you know, five or six guys in the worship realm of guitar playing that I'm just like, they're never going to talk to me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. 
So with Stu G, I just sent him a message on uh, Facebook Messenger and said, hey, um, I, I know you don't know me. I'm starting this thing from the ground up, and I would really love for you to come on and be my first guest. And like within five minutes, a little blip popped up on my phone. And I was like, did he just respond to me? <laughs> like, actually, it actually blew my mind that he wanted to talk to me about it. And it was like, sure, just tell me when. And like... <laughs> He doesn't know this, but I'm like standing in my house running circles around my couch, you know, just I can't believe uh, that someone like that would talk to me. And over the years, it's kind of developed into um, just something where anybody like is willing to talk. Um, they're just really cool guys and, and ladies. So, yeah, we, we we love Stu, man. He is. It's funny. We were talking to him about about doing some other stuff on worship artistry. And he was like, well, you might need to, you know, he said it in a cool British accent. Well, I will, which exactly. I will not try to mimic because I'd be terrible at it. But he was like, well, you might need to remind people who I am. And, you know, I'm kind of like a different generation. And I'm like, dude, you're a guitar hero. Like, right. we know who you are. Don't worry yeah, about the, it. There are guitar pedals on the market based on you. So <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be okay. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, where do you actually officially go? Oh, I have arrived. Oh, I have guitar gear named after me that <laughs> right. I didn't make. Like I didn't make. I just kind of was like, yeah, sure. I guess I'll help out with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny with him too because he because he does the kilt right is kind of his mm -hmm. you know overdrive pedal, and you know JHS does that. They also do uh, that Ryan Adams pedal, and you got Stu's. It's just called the kilt, and it's not like Stu G's the kilt. But like Ryan Adams pedal is like Ryan Adams, like huge across the top. And I'm like, ah, I'd rather have Stu's pedal. I'd have to put tape over that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Josh Scott from JHS Pedals, uh, he was another interview. Dude is a believer, loves the Lord, and uh, and just, I mean, solid, solid guy and company. So anyways. Yeah, it's a lot, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um I've noticed that you have specifically, in a lot of ways, focused on instrumentalists. Like you talk to Stu G, you talk to guitarists. I'm a, am I safe to assume that's kind of your main instrument? Yes. Uh, I started, actually, started off playing drums. Like when I was in the fifth grade, I got my first drum set, played um, in church uh, all through high school, college. Um, I actually played in a Christian rock band. We played a lot um, around kind of the Louisiana South uh, United States. Um, and then, uh, the church that I attended, our worship guy that was there, um, he left and went to a, another church and there was actually no one there to kind of step in and take his, fill his shoes. So, um, I stepped in and started leading because as a drummer, I think the, the hardest thing to teach in guitar is, is rhythm. True. Um, so as a drummer, most drummers I know can pick up guitar pretty quickly. Um, so I did that and uh, I've been leading ever since, but, um, as far as the tip jar is concerned, yeah, I think, um, I think there's a, a demographic in worship ministry that sometimes gets neglected and it's actually the largest demographic of people involved in worship ministry. And that's the people that stand behind the worship leader every Sunday. So like you, you, there's tons of materials and even books that have been written on how to be a better worship leader. There's not a ton of material out there for worship musicians on how to be a better musician and back up the leader. 
and kind of play your role within the group. Um, so that was just something for me. Like I, I like leading, but for me, my favorite place and thing to do is develop leaders that they can stand up there and lead. And I just get to either stand behind them and play or stand in the audience and watch them grow in the leadership that they have. So um, we're always trying to recruit uh, musicians and and leaders, um, but not just say you're a guitar player, but you are an important vital role of who we are and uh, where we're going. And we need you. It's not, you know, just filling a spot. Like we need you to help us grow as a ministry. Um, so that's kind of the, the reason I started the podcast was I wanted just a tool for the people that play every week to be able to listen and listen to people that they um, look up to and respect um, and get kind of insight from that side of the coin. So, so, so why was that so important to you? You know, one of the things that uh, I think is difficult to teach because you need to find people to listen. Right. Right. Um, but there is, like I, the thing that I always want to say, like we say it on our podcast all the time. It's in you know a lot of our tutorials. Like, like we really feel like it is the worship pastor's job to pastor his people, and that like equipping his musicians, not just not just with our stuff, but just in general, like with teaching materials and like really really pouring into them, teaching them, growing them, giving them a place. Like you said, uh, it's it's funny how foreign that idea is to some folks. Like when you talk about like, well, what are you doing for your worship team? And it's like, oh, nothing. You know, I right. put a set together and then we go and do this thing. You know, like, like why was that development for people so important to you? Well, I, I think, um, of course, like for me, even if you, when you, you look at scripture and the process of discipleship, it wasn't one of those things where Jesus looked at the people around him and said, all right, um, I'm going to do all the work for you. And then you just follow me and watch me do it. Like he, he equipped them and like cast vision for what he wanted that to look like. And he said, this is, this is why I need you. This is how important you are. And then because of them, the gospel multiplied and spread around the world. So for, for me, at least personally, like my favorite Sundays are the Sundays that I'm not on stage like the Sundays where I'm watching the people that have um, that I've been able to pour into through the years and watch them lead at a different level. Um, for me, that is more biblical than standing up there and doing all the work and saying, y'all, y'all just watch me do. Um, so I, I don't know, like for, for me, I, I just love, um, I love seeing people grow uh, in not only their instrument and how they play chords or hit the drums, but um, just in their influence spiritually. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So I want to, I want to jump into some, that's uh, it's great stuff. I, I want to jump into some music things, just some questions for you, because I was thinking about it as I was, uh, as I was you know thinking about putting together your interview, I was like, man, you know, we interview on our on our podcast, we interview the teachers on the website. We interview artists a lot of times, um, but we rarely get to, we rarely take the time to interview people that are just leading worship in their churches on a regular basis, which we should probably do more. And I'm like, I got Cody on here; 
He does. It. I'd love to ask him a couple of these questions. So, yeah. um, you know, one of the things with worship artistry is we always want to help. We want to give people the tools to do a good job, but then we also have that word artistry in there, which is to help communities make music their own, you know, and put their own right. stamp on it rather than just, Hey, you're a robot and we could replace you with the track if we wanted to, but we need somebody to stand up there. So it looks better. That's right. not what we're trying to do. We're trying to equip people to be good musicians. So how do you, you know, you lead worship at a, at a multi-campus church. How do you take these songs that are kind of big songs in the church and make them your own for your community? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with um, the people that God gives you in the season that you're in. Okay. So like, like I said, I've been doing worship ministry for full time for about 15 years now. And I've played with a bunch of different musicians through those 15 years, but the music has sounded different because it normally lends itself towards the, um, the artistic blend of whatever musicians I have playing with, with me at that period of time. Okay. So for instance, um, at our campus of our church, I serve, uh, like you said, for a multi-site campus um, in Northeast Louisiana. And uh, the main group of musicians that I have that play with me every Sunday um, throughout the week, they play metal. And I mean, like, they uh, they have a band um, called The Weeping Hour. And, dude, they are some of the most heavy, like, I'm talking crazy, just in your face, extremely talented musicians that I've ever met. Okay. So with that being said, um, does our worship service sound like that on Sunday morning? Absolutely not. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I've been waiting with bated breath. I'm like, so is it a metal all the time? It's like metal church. (laughs) No, it, it doesn't. Uh, but the thing that I love about the, those guys that play with me every Sunday is they know how to change to the context that they're in. So, like, um, like for instance, one of our uh, guitar players, um, he's an incredible guitar player, and every Sunday he shows up and he knows the songs that we're playing, like the back of his hand. Uh, he, he, it sounds exactly like the album every single time, but he doesn't own any gear that sounds like worship music. Okay. Like he's got a seven string metal electric guitar. He's got really, really heavy, uh, amps. Um, so, um, for him, uh, we went and we purchased some backline gear that sounds like your standard worship stuff. And he was just amazed that we would invest in something that it showed that we valued him. Um, and he, another thing that I love about him is he's very humble and he's very teachable. So he doesn't come in and say, man, this gear stinks. Like it doesn't sound good enough. No, he, he has an ear for making it sound exactly how it needs to sound in that moment. Does that make sense? Are you saying that there are some musicians that complain about gear given to them? (laughs) Is that what you're saying? That there are people out there that are so picky that they'd be upset about that? I don't know anybody like that. (laughs) Absolutely not. I mean, you you couldn't get on a a praise and worship forum on Facebook and hear anyone complain about anything. I I guarantee (laughs) it. 
but with that being said, to answer your question, I think, um, I think the, the people that God gives you in those seasons is kind of what makes, uh, the sound and the, the dynamic that you're going for. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So do you, um, what would you say is like, are some common traits for musicians that are on a worship team? Like, what are the things you go, this guy, this is like a good version of a musician that I want to work with. What are some common traits that they have? Okay. Uh, for me, uh, personality types are different. Okay. And, and for me, my personality type is very straightforward, um, very strong. Um, and for me, one of my favorite things that I see in a musician is one, um, they take it serious enough to, to practice before they show up. And then two, um, they show up for rehearsal on time and ready to go. So, uh, like at our campus, a lot of churches do like some type of midweek rehearsal. We do not. Um, at, at my campus, uh, we show up on Sunday morning before the church starts, and we know our music, and we do a run through one time, and then we we jump into our first service. So, um, so with that being said, like I will not use musicians who are not prepared. Um, so we've had folks that come and say, Hey, I would like to play. Um, so we'll do like a kind of an American idol style tryout where we boo them if they stink and then kick them out the door. Not really. <laughs> uh, that would be great though. Wouldn't it? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, again, like I said, we love developing people. So we just take them where they are. And if they're not at a place where they're ready, we try to develop them to a place where they are ready. Um, but the people that do come um, being prepared and on time is a key characteristic that I love. Another thing that I love um, are people who understand their place within the the dynamic of the band. Okay. Um, I, I'll give credit to Paul Beloche because I, I, I'm stealing this from him, but basically it's almost like a, a pie right? Like you got to know what your piece of the pie looks like and only eat your piece. Does that make sense? (laughs) Like if you eat 90% of the pie, like if you're just up there playing all the time as hard as you can, um, then you're, you're dominating what needs to be happening. Um, but I love people when they, they know exactly when to play, but also when, when not to play like, like sometimes the best thing that you can do is just sit there and let the other people play around you. Um, and, uh, I also love it, love players who, who approach it in a way to where they show up and they don't think that they're better than the person who wrote and recorded the song. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's like, well, I've never well, known anyone like that either. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Daniel Carson. He didn't know what he was doing when he wrote this guitar lick. I can play it better than him. No, you can't. Okay. Um, <laughs> you can play different, di- you know, yeah, differently. Yeah. And, but not better. That's, that's like a, a, um, kind of a, a trigger point for me is, uh, you can play it your way, but your way isn't better than someone else's way. 
music is all um there is no right or wrong it's all just opinion really oh that um, is you you get it you get it that's <laughs> It's it's amazing how you know we we do like arrangement stuff on our on our website. So we take all these songs, and we try and make them sound exactly like the record with five pieces, right? And so exactly. we're so we're we're pulling this, but then we play this thing, and you know sometimes it's like, hey, you didn't do this one thing that I heard in the when I heard the stems. It's like, well, did you hear that when you played the song on its own? Like, well, no, but it's it's in there, you know. Like that's the right way, and you're like, no, man, like the right way is. You're trying to make it sound right. Does it sound yeah. right? Then what's the problem? Yeah. The the right way is people in your congregations encountering Jesus. That's that's the right. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. Uh, uh, if if you're if you're playing um, to a congregation of folks that are you know years seventy and above, and you're playing it exactly how Leek and Brewster wrote it, it's probably not the right way. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So, like, oh, so true. You have to you have to kind of figure out the context of where you are and and play in a way that engages people and ushers them to um, Jesus. So, I don't know. That's oh, that's beautiful. I know there's a there's so many. Um, I feel like something that we always are fighting against as musicians is that musician culture of the insecurity of needing to say like I'm the best or I you know trying to almost like puff up your feathers. You know, right. and, and it's like, no, when we're when we are leading worship, our whole job is to just disappear and blend into what is happening, point people to God and engage with God ourselves, you know, and yeah. have it less be about like, well, this no, like I'm I'm clearly the best player here. You know? <laughs> yeah. like, like, no, you might be clearly the best player, but you also might be the worst person. So, you know, take <laughs> a pick. <laughs> yeah, like I have uh, one of our one of our drummers, um, like, like I said, on the weekends, they play metal and the dude, I mean, he can play anything as fast or as loud as you want him to. And he is by far the, the, probably the best player on stage. Um, but he, he plays exactly what needs to be played in the moment. And he's extremely humble about it. And, um, I like to brag about him to other people because I know how good he is, but he's never going to brag about himself to people. So um, that's the kind of uh, person I want on my team. Well, Cody, it sounds like you're a very good worship pastor and your team is very lucky to have you. And uh, and we are very lucky to have the tip jar. Thanks for uh, for putting that together. It's got some great stuff on it, guys. If you haven't subscribed to that, subscribe to the tip jar. It's fantastic. And uh, Cody, thank you so much for taking the time to hang. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Jason, for the uh, the invite. I appreciate it. Man, what a sweet guy. It seems like he really has a uh, pastor's heart and uh, you can hear he's he's invested in people. Yeah, it's awesome when you actually get to be fully engaged in the in the things that you're really passionate about. It's awesome. It's great, man. Well, you know what I'm you know what I'm passionate about, Daniel? <laughs> what is that? It's about you saying the right thing at the right time. <laughs> what time is it? It's member mail time. Hit it. That's what a two years of training will do, Jason. There you go. <laughs> they, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. What do they know? <laughs> Facts. 
Yeah, and uh, let me tell you, I'm also concerned because it's. What about if it's member female? What if it's a woman who wants to say something? <laughs> <laughs> it's always member male. <laughs> well, I, yeah, we we we've had some ladies as well. Okay, All right. Um, well, you know, Daniel. Before we get into member male, I just wanted to tell you. You know, last week we had a uh, a listener from from Australia, and uh, and you you know you said like, oh, it's really hard. It's hot, <laughs> mate. And so he responded. He goes, "Thanks for the quick answer in the podcast. We'll try your ideas out." And my only concern is that Daniel's fake Australian accent is almost as bad as my fake South African one. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, you got to so, you got to take it when you you got to give be able to take what you give. <laughs> fact. That is a fact. Well, today's member mail. Uh, it's a little bit. It's a little bit longer, and I don't know where this guy's from. So, so. Uh, so I can't say I mean, we can't do his accent. We could just pretend he's from from wherever we're at right now. Uh, but uh, he he asked kind of a long a long member mail question. But I thought it was worth diving into. Um, he says, "Since I was a teenager, something's been circling in my brain in the use of the pronoun I in worship songs. I have had conflicting thoughts, and I go back and forth on whether or not we should be putting ourselves into the lyrics. I can't hide from the fact that I'm a teacher. So when I find myself singing some Main Street worship." Main Street, mainstream worship songs at church where I am the subject in the majority of the sentence and God isn't. I get frustrated. I've been recently been calling this I worship where the I for individual is the focus. There's some great lyrical and catchy songs out there, but I don't know. What if I don't feel like the author does? Am I just singing someone's notes from their personal journaling sessions with God? I like that you've been recently using the term congregational worship. You've helped me define a type of song that I can describe to our worship leaders. These songs are meant to be sung as a congregation, but when I find myself in a situation where the band leader has put Oceans by Hillsong United, a song in your library as well, or You and I Were Made to Worship by Chris Tomlin, I find myself in an internally frustrated, morally complex situation. I don't feel like these songs should be sung at church. Sung at home by yourselves? Heck yeah. Listening to them on an MP3 player and trying to emphasize what the author is feeling, totally understandable. Sung in church, I'm not feeling it. I'm not sure if I'm alone on the issue. I'd be interested in hearing if there are others that feel the same way as me. It all makes me. It also makes me appreciate artists like Paul Balash, who tend to write with congregational singing in mind. Ultimately, I guess my question is, when your band leader chooses a song that you disagree with being played for worship, what do you do? Let's assume that you have expressed your feelings over it and they want to go ahead regardless. I totally accept there might not be an easy answer. Thanks, guys. I'm really enjoying the show. And, I, and I'm so impressed that I only had one verbal mess up through that whole thing. <laughs> Good job. Another thing I'm thankful for. What what do, what do you what do you think, Daniel? There's kind of a lot to unpack there. Yeah, I, I've got some thoughts, definitely. Um, and uh, I've, because I've been in church my whole life, and I've been involved in you know in working in lots and lots of different churches, um, one of the things that comes to mind was uh, you know there was there's always been this movement within the church worship world where uh, songs become more focused as a community, and then sometimes they'll become very introspective and very personal uh, and there's some songwriters that have written those type of songs and really kind of that's been the, the kind of the boom at the time of, of those type of songs that have happened uh, and so uh, I remember specifically Hillsong when it started becoming like there was a song there were songs like Church on Fire We Are the Church on Fire and all these songs about like uh, congregational very congregational us songs about us worshiping God and, and lifting him up uh, and then there was a there was like all the the kind of the families in the church when you're when you're at the age where you have your own kids and you're and you're married it's really awesome to sing those songs where it's like hey let's talk about our community and then 
there was this movement that happened after that with Delirious and Matt Redman. It's called Cutting Edge in England. And they started writing songs like uh, I'm Coming Back to the Heart of Worship and, and all these songs about, about here I am, Lord, me on my own, you know, find me where I am and all these songs, uh, which are a lot more like a journal entry. Uh, and what happened was the whole kind of youth movement, uh, like individual young people really grabbed onto that. Uh, and that's because you've got to think of the stages of life that they're in. They're, they're like trying to find God for the first time. They're trying to find their own uh, kind of identity as they grow into adulthood. And so they might feel alone. They might feel, you know, um, it, out there on their own. And, and when, when they feel that that in a group that they can sing and that God cares specifically for them personally and they discover his love for them as an individual, uh, singing about it in, in a time together can be a really amazing thing. Uh, and so what happened was there was this rebel, re, kind of they rebelled a little, a little bit against the kind of Hillsong movement. There was one church in particular that almost caused a church split because all the kids didn't want to sing the Hillsong songs. And all the and we're talking about Darlene Check Hillsong, long time before Hillsong United and all those guys. And then the other and the older people didn't want to sing all the introspective young people songs. And it nearly caused a huge riff in the church. Uh, a rift in the church. And so I, I kind of was like, hey, we've got to be able to be inclusive of each other's life stages. And so uh, sometimes I feel like uh, if you think about all the different people that are in your church, there might be young people that don't listen to worship music on the MP3 player, and they're not going to go and find a, their own special time to get with God and, and, and sing those type of songs. But a song that is introspective and talks about your own personal relationship with God or Him wanting to reach you as a person personally or you expressing your, your own feelings towards God can really be something that can connect a young person to God while they're in church. So if you imagine your own teenager standing there and discovering that God personally cares individually about them, uh, I think it can really help you to say maybe that song is valid for a certain portion of our congregation and maybe it's not exactly what I want to sing this morning, but it might be super valid for that person. And then in the same way, if you're a young person, you're listening and you go, I don't want to sing a big community song about the, the, the backyard barbecue that we're having here on Sunday. I want to sing about, you've got to be able to say, hey, you can't have it all your way all the time. You, you have to kind of make space for each other's life phases and life stages. Uh, those are the thoughts that I have on that, that topic. What are your thoughts, Jace? Yeah, I think you can't deny the relational aspect of worship, of times of worship. You know, if we, if we are... If, if we're just listening to it at home, you know, uh, like, for example, like what I tried to do with the tuning room was make that more of a personal time. Right. And then uh, you go into you go into church and it's and part of it is that it's like, man, we're all gathered together. This is something we're all doing. And to your point, when you gather together, you're you are getting a group of people in a lot of different situations. And I think the context of which your your pastor, how your worship pastor, how you look at worship as a whole for your community really def really speaks into what your go songs you're going to choose. So, for example, you know I I've noticed that there has been a I'm with you. I, I understand the heavy leaning on the word I. I I just noticed it. I feel it. And maybe it's like this the old man in me that's just getting cranky and like why are we always singing about us? Um, yeah. You know, it's like I is the subject of a lot of songs. And it's even less about mm -hmm. the personalizing, but a lot of times it's like, God, you're with me versus I'm with you. You know, that sort mm -hmm. of that sort of shift. Um, yes. So I try and be really intentional about recognizing that 
uh, that all our songs can't be that. All our songs cannot be fully introspective and on me. However, I can't deny that God also interacts with me in an intimate and personal way. So I can't lose that. And then also acknowledging that the community as a whole is gathering together. Well, there's songs about that. Like I don't, um, you know, I remember when Brian Dirksen came out with Come, Now is the Time to Worship. And it was one of the first songs I heard that it was like we were talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And then on the chorus, it it switched to, it was almost like a bridge section, really. It switched to, you know, personalizing God. You know, one day every tongue will confess you are God. I mean, it's just like, what a powerful song. And, um, mm-hmm. but it was like, whoa, this is kind of weird. We're singing to each other. But I think worship is both vertical and horizontal. I think it's, that's why we gather together. That's why we are in the gathering. That's why we all sing mm-hmm. together rather than just doing it on our own. And so in doing that, uh, I just try and usually just spread it around, you know, just try and like, okay, how do we, how do we sing about something personal, but how do we also acknowledge that we're all together and how do we still keep our focus on God? You know, um, it's, it's, it's a challenge. It's a balance. But I think if you give the songs context, if you, if you lay them out, if you, if you have a set that kind of hits all those points, you're really teaching your congregation about what worship is through the songs that you're choosing. And I think Part of the issue is that, you know, nowadays you have songs that are, or churches that are like, we're a Hillsong church, or, you know, we're a passion church, or we're a thing. And so the personality of those churches, or like Bethel or whatever, like the personality of that church, when all your songs come from one culture, it actually, I feel like kind of really kind of hyper defines you and, and alienates a lot of people. So you kind of have to know who your congregation is and how you're trying to lead them. And then I would just say, you know, additionally to your to your last you know final question of like what do you do when the band leader chooses a song that you disagree with i think you know if it's a theological difference disagreement i think you really have to bring that forward if there's something that you go man i didn't i think this isn't true like this is untrue um i think that's one thing but on the other uh you have to say something about it i think if it's something that maybe it's not your favorite song or you disagree with like we have songs on our website i've wrestled through like if um what was the song? Uh, it was real. It was real love by Hillsong young and free. And I pulled that song up for the first time. And I was like, man, this is, this is really talking to God in a very intimate way. And in an intimacy that I wasn't super comfortable with just some of the language. And I, so I wrote a, I wrote a post in the green room about it. Just kind of like asking like, okay, what is, what do you guys think about this song? And it was really interesting to see people's responses because some people were like, yeah, we don't need to do this. This is too hypey for my youth group. Other ones were saying like, no, this is where the kids are right now. We need to, we need to be there. And so I think some of it is just knowing your congregation and recognizing like not all songs serve everybody, but all our songs should serve Jesus. So if they are drawing us closer to him, I think that that kind of puts it, kind of takes care of everything. And you just let the Holy Spirit kind of do his thing or her thing. That's awesome. It's thing. That's very cool. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, I agree. I mean, sometimes that's how I feel about the preacher. You know, it's the same thing for me sitting in the congregation. I, I can feel, often feel like when, when, well, not as much in my church that I'm in now, but in the church that I had been in before, uh, the pastor would start talking about something and I'd be like, he's way off course. And my choice is either to get really upset about it and try and cause a whole scene about it or to just go, you know what? He's right most of the time. I'm just going to, unless it's going to cause major weird stuff in our church. But like, I remember one pastor saying, you shouldn't wear skinny jeans. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, 
that's just weird. If he could show me like in the Bible somewhere, like I know that's his own preference. And sometimes people will say stuff like that, that are pastors, they'll say things what they think, and it's their opinion as opposed to scripture. And I find it hard, but I think the mature, the most mature thing I can do is just go, I'm just going to leave that and let the Holy Spirit do his thing and make sure that, you know, that what comes through from the good stuff is good and not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, and so just like just the mature thing would be to just leave it, you know, or unless I'm asked about what I thought about it by somebody else, I'll just kind of just let it be. Yeah. Uh, so, so maybe like that for some songs that you just don't love singing, maybe just don't sing. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of. Well, my friend, that is a great question. Thank you for asking it. Super good. Yeah, it's, it's important. We have to ask those kind of questions. If you have any questions, feel free to send them to us. You can hit us up over at worshipartistry.com. You can uh, email us, support at worshipartistry.com. You can also hit us up on our Facebook page and send us a message and we can bring that in. Um, a lot of different ways you can go about doing it. If you would like to play some songs, take some of these songs and learn five-piece arrangements for them, as well as solo acoustic and solo piano arrangements, and soon vocals, check out worshipartistry.com. You can sign up for free. You get access to all our 101 lessons as well as three lessons of your choice that you can out of our library of like 500 songs so please do that guys have a happy thanksgiving and we will see you next week peace peace